Hello and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here to help spread the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building better relationships with other people, but ultimately building a more harmonious and stronger connection with Mother Earth. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to Mother Earth, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can help improve the relationship with yourself to again empower yourself so you can empower your community and empower our beautiful planet. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. Also, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, at the LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at the lyfoundation.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the LYF podcast. Monica here, and I'm really grateful, honored, excited to be chatting with The Leak today. They're a local band based in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I've been a longtime supporter fan of this band, and their music has helped me so much in my mental health journey. And so I'm excited to get to know them deeper um, and have all you listeners get to know them also. So, hi, guys. Hey, hey what's going on? Hi. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so on here, we have Rasar, we have Jason, we have Jeremy, and we have Sean. And we're going to make sure and get to hear from all of them throughout the, the chat. Um, so a question that I love to start with always is... Uh, what is it that you love about yourself? And how has this quality helped you in your life? So we can maybe start with Rissar and go from there. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's been a good question uh, out of the whole year. I think that 2020 made us reevaluate a lot of that. So, I mean, I'll say this. I had an idea of who I was. And a lot of that uh, completely was destroyed last year. So I'm finding out the answer, which is not the same as it may have been a year ago. But I guess my gift and curse has been words, to be obvious. You know, uh, for better or for worse, I've had a way with words. And it's uh, done everything from uh, bring people together, make people cry in a positive way. I've also, you know, upset a lot of people, <laughs> usually not even with the intent to insult people, but just because anyone knows me knows I'm a very blunt person. I say exactly what I mean, and that's not always appreciated, and I've had to learn how to temper that sword. So mm -hmm. for better or worse, I do love my way with words. That's true. I mean, words can empower or disempower, so, but great, great quality. All right, who's who's who wants to go next? Okay, I'll go. Um, <laughs> I what do I love about myself? <clears throat> I love that. Um, I guess I love that I'm not afraid to try new things. Uh, like I feel like a pretty adventurous person. Um, I'm not afraid to try new hobbies. Um, I'm not afraid to suck at things for a while until I'm better at them. Um, and I, I feel like because of that, I, I feel like I get a lot out of life because I'm not afraid to 
branch out and do things and say like, why not? Let's just try it and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that attitude has carried me, you know, especially at the end of last year when I was just, you know, trying a bunch of new things, um, that attitude has carried me and brought me some really amazing experiences. So mm -hmm. that's, that's what I would say. I love it, right? Last year was all about experimenting. So mm -hmm. yeah, no, it's great to hear. I guess the main thing that I love about myself is I think that I'm a good improviser. Um, not necessarily in the musical sense, but just in the, the general sense of, I think that I, I'm not, it's kind of similar to what Jason was talking about where I, I, I feel like I'm not afraid to not know what is happening around me and I feel like if if there is anything that is like inherent in me that has helped me succeed in all the things that I have tried to be successful in it's uh like I I can just manage to be quick on my feet and despite the universe's best attempts to <laughs> make things hard for me I I consistently impress myself with my ability to um, like duck those punches and, and figure mm -hmm. out uh, whatever, whatever moves I need to make. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm also sometimes not bad looking. Hey, turn up. Nice. Go ahead. Go ahead and appreciate yourself one time. I think it's important yeah. for me to say that because I don't always think it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> awesome. And la last but not least, Sean. Um, what was the question again? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> what do I what do I love about myself? Um, for I don't know why. The first thing that comes up to mind is just like my sense of humor, being able to laugh at anything, even if it kind of like Rasar's words, how sometimes people don't necessarily like how uh, you say something. People also don't always necessarily like uh, certain sense of humors, but I like that I can find humor in anything, even just like bad stuff that has happened to me and like stuff mm -hmm. I've had to get over, being able to like laugh at it and laugh at that and like laugh at yourself has always kind of helped me uh, get through a lot of different uh ups and downs that we all kind of go through in life mm -hmm. but um what's another thing i mean i, I definitely love my mustache no i'm joking um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but um um i like that uh kind of similar to what jason said too just like trying things i like i i say yes to like most opportunities whether there's you know money involved or anything i just say yes to see where it leads and mm -hmm. a lot of times it leads really cool places and so i i've learned a lot of that this year specifically just taking different opportunities and seeing where they go and it can lead in a completely different direction that you didn't even think was possible mm -hmm. yeah but i'm glad i aren't i'm not afraid to say yes even if i don't think i'm ready for something just sometimes if you're asked to do something that is kind of being ready that's very true yeah i love that 
Well, all great answers. Thank you for sharing. And some, you know, this, it's fun to see people's response because a lot of people, you know, don't always think about that or even pose that question for themselves. So it's just, it's I, nice. I never think about that. It's nice to uh, get people out of their comfort zone a little bit on it. So thank you guys for, for answering. Um, so I kind of, I wanted to actually touch upon your guys' origin story. Like how, how was it that you guys came together and um, the inspiration behind forming the leak? I think we've uh, got this one down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I might have answered this once or twice. I don't know. He's, he's yeah. the band historian. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of my thing. And it, the, the crazy thing is, okay, so it was Sean's idea to start the band, but uh, I kind of relish, I guess, or have the burden of uh, knowing how to say it really in depth. I'm gonna try to make it a, I don't know how much time we got here. So let's do the, let's do the, this version. Okay, so it was Sean's idea to start a band that was based in jazz and hip hop, inspired by a Tribe Called Quest. I had no clue who he was. They all went to UNLV. Uh, I came from Sacramento, California. I was here, I was in Las Vegas, um, a part of the show called Vegas Nocturne. And um, I was just kind of floating around waiting for the next gig. And uh, I was actually about to move and I was a part of an open mic scene uh, from this, this open mic in Vegas called The Human Experience, which was at the beat downtown. And there was mm -hmm. a viola player named Ramon Phillip who I had seen around. And anyway, Ramon also went to UNLV and I guess uh, Sean had put out the word and he let him know and he asked him if he knew any MCs. And I, um, so Ramon hit me up on January 3rd, 2015. I still have the voicemail and he called me and wow. he let me know some guy named Sean Carbone man. wanted to uh, start a band, like I said. And I was on my way out. I was definitely trying to leave. So I wasn't really fully in. I knew that was a lot of responsibility. But I, you know, anyway, I decided to reach out to him. We met up a week, Sean and I met up a week later. And uh, we hung out, we, we played, he played guitar, we jammed, immediately knew that we'd be cool together. And I had some guys in mind. He's like, no, no, I already got, I already know who I wanted. It's okay, man. And then so we all had our first rehearsal a few weeks later. It was actually the talented singer Gary Fowler who helped us set up, which he ended up being on our album. And uh, we almost got kicked out of our first jam session. Uh, Jason was not a part of the group yet. Although he was considered early on, we just started off with the four of us. So it was Nick Schmidt, Jeremy Kluwicki, Sean Carbone, and myself. And uh, from that first jam session, it was like obvious that it sounded like we had been together for years and it was just beautiful. I knew that I wanted to work with these guys mm -hmm. and um, I could skip a bunch of things because things happened really quickly for us. Um, but I will say that uh, over the summer, I felt like we needed something else. I felt like we all did. We were kind of talking about having, and then like, I feel like we needed keys or something. We considered several people but I found out later Jason was actually the first person they mentioned. I just didn't know who he was. Mm. And there was maybe three or four guys we considered. And uh, then there was a jam session that August after we had been uh, together for like seven months. We'd already been playing shows. We played Brooklyn Bowl, all this other stuff. Uh, right when that happened, uh, in August, 
No, we were about to play Brooklyn Bowl. I stand corrected. But anyway, we had a jam session at the Artifice. And I remember there was a jam session uh, with uh, Sean's band, which became called On the Other Hand. And I remember uh, people would just get up there. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I just kind of came out there only to watch. Mm-hmm. I was just there to observe. I remember I was sitting at the bar with Nick. You guys will laugh about that, but we were all sitting down and we were, all right, Jeremy. Moment of, <laughs> moment of silence for uh, our bass player, Nick, who couldn't be in this interview. You've mentioned him press, twice now. Yeah. <laughs> press F in the chat for sure. <laughs> yeah, press F. Um, yeah, we, used to, we used to actually rehearse at his, ba- his, uh, his parents' house all the time at that time. But um, anyway, I remember we're, we're sitting at the bar talking about whatever, and we're, we're on the other room, we're, you know, away from it. And I just heard this, these keys come through, and I was in the middle of my sentence, and I just, and I don't know exactly <laughs> what I said, but it was something along the lines of, who the fuck is that? And then <laughs> I just looked, and Nick had this, it was like out of a movie, and Nick was just like, <laughs> He was really excited about it, but he was just like, yeah, yeah, those Drew, I still couldn't understand it. He's like, yeah, those Drew, Drew, Drew. I was like, okay, <laughs> let me see who that is. And I watched and I was just blown away and I got super excited. And I just like, I was like, dude, and everybody was there. And I came out, I was like, yo, yo, I think I want this dude to, to join our band, dude. Like, and I, think it was, I don't know if Jeremy was there, but I know obviously Sean and Nick were there. And um, I knew it was like kind of a bold move to just ask somebody on the spot. And I asked him and, Turns out he'd already been listening or knew about us and stuff. So maybe you could kind of pick up from Sean and more so Jason, I guess, your entrance into the band. Yeah, I don't think I ever told you, but when I got up there, that was completely intentional because I knew you were there. Oh my God, dude, what? <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, yo, Rosar's here. I'm gonna I'm gonna go up there and throw down and just see what happens. No. No way, dude. Are you serious? That's absolutely why I went up. Yo. Wow. Six years later, I never knew this. I never heard this. Pretty wild. Yeah, so I I joined the band. Our first gig together was Life is Beautiful. (laughs) And then after that, we opened for Hades Coyote. Uh, I think the rest is history, right? (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, it would be, I think Jeremy like and he won't take offense to this probably has the least to say about it i think about i think we're just about the origin i think you <laughs> kind of like were brought in your job was to crush and you did that but it was like you're just like yeah i'm down i think that was more hero like yeah we were i mean i was um i had pretty recently just moved here from new york and um like Sean and I were doing gigs at uh, Siena, the Italian that's, restaurant. Yeah, that's and what that it was, was like that was like the only thing I had going on, and that was how I knew Sean. And so, mm-hmm. like I, I this this was more or less my like introduction into the Vegas music scene was uh, a couple kind of lame Italian restaurant gigs with Sean, and then him being like, <laughs> "You want to start a band?" Dude. <laughs> I'll show Sean exactly what happened. Yeah. If you could, something I've never heard, could you say, what was the moment? Why? I actually don't know this. Like, I know you came up with it, but was it just casual? Or was there a moment where you're just like, I want to start a hip-hop bass band? Is there something you saw or something? I feel like it was pretty casual. Like, I just was like, oh, like, let's start a band. Because, like, usually you say something like that and it never happens. 
They're like, you might even meet up with people. Doesn't mean you're a band. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it just kind of, you know, honestly, we're sorry. I felt like after our first gig, you were like, you took, you just went flying, and uh. you were like, okay, like this is a thing. I'm, because remember, you were basically the, the leader. I, you know, I just, mm -hmm. I just was like, I kind of just put the people together, not ex, not really expecting much at all, mm -hmm. and. Uh, mm -hmm then we kind of all decided to run with it but you know without i don't without you Rosar, you really drove it forward just like you took a lot of the leadership roles you know mm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah no it was I, I i do have to say when we first met up at unlv i remember i kind of asked you like what did you want to do with it and you were saying i don't know you know what i mean there's a few places around here like the distillery and I, I didn't know what that was. And, uh, yeah, I remember the like the dispensary. <laughs> I remember when you asked me that, like looking back, yeah, I didn't even really have an answer. Like all I had was, yeah, I want to play some music. <laughs> yeah, and I well, was, that like, was it. and like where I was coming from, like you guys were still, you got to understand, like Jeremy was like 19. Uh, Jason had, I think, yeah. just graduated. Mm -hmm everyone was like still like a like a, okay nick had graduated too but i think it was like jeremy and sean were like sophomores and juniors or excuse me freshmen and sophomores right oh so, a little later okay i was well, a later. Junior, college right yeah. this was college oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right right yeah yeah gotta, gotta be clear about that but <laughs> like my i mean i was damn near 30 when i moved to vegas so for me my life vision i had I had just done my first international, no, by the time I met him, I had already performed in like three or four different countries and like played New York, like at the Blue Note. So my vibe was like, I'm doing a band to like to win or I'm not doing this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so when you said that, I was like, this dude's talented and I want to work with this. But also I don't have the time. If this is just a little thing, whatever mm -hmm. I'm trying to move or do mm -hmm. like, I was going to do like the next thing. So I almost didn't want to do it because you were so casual about it, but mm. you were so damn good. I was like, let's just see what happens. And uh, I'm really glad I took that chance. Mm -hmm. And then I think after, after that first gig, I remember that really solidified it. Cause like, Oh yeah. It just worked. I remember like just everything felt good. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about that first gig, Jeremy? I remember it was at the hard rock cafe. R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. Yeah. All right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, that's huh. right, Jason. You weren't there. Um, I... No, the hard rock doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Yeah, that's that right. Part. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. It did all kind of change from just like being nothing to being like a thing after that first show like even when we started the show i think it was only like a four song set it was it. Like yeah. basically an open mic or something yeah and yeah we afterwards we were all just kind of looking at each other like yo this could be a thing and we took like yeah. a thousand pictures outside of the hall uh -huh. we like, <laughs> yeah. this is great yeah 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 i yeah. forgot about that because awesome. we didn't it was kind of an open mic but we didn't approach it we came in with our suits on mm -hmm. and we came in like ready to Yo. go we and we 
on our first show ever, we did walk into my office and no one knew anything about us. Like as, I mean, like at that particular scene, and, you know, shout out to Rick Duarte. Much love specifically to Rick, uh, Rick Duarte, who I met through Cameron Calloway, who was at that gig. Cam Calloway um, introduced me to Rick Duarte. He, he did a Gibson sponsored open mic and I am forever thankful to Rick for giving us our, that was our first gig. It was unpaid. It was, like I said, it was an open mic, so it was only 15 minutes, mm -hmm. but that one moment was so pivotal, and there was video that's still up, and actually, that I ended up getting us booked at, at UC Davis, like, two years later, and uh, yeah, we ended up using, we just took those pictures, made our Facebook, and just kind of kept rocking. I think it was interesting, and I don't want to get too caught up in our past, because I'll tell our whole six-year story, but I'll say the next Everything happened so quickly. We did that. And then our next gig was March 26th at Velveteen Rabbit. And I remember that was like, oh shit, like this is for real. Cause it was a 45 minute set. We did it with Cameron. We had like over a hundred people there. And that got us a buzz to where Beauty Bar heard about us. And we got to open for Jameson. And this is like just everything just, and then next thing you know, Las Vegas Weekly said we were like the best new jazz hip hop combo. And then like, we played Bunkhouse with R and R, who was like the biggest band in town, like on the original scene at the time. It just mm -hmm. snowballed. Then we snowball. played Brooklyn Bowl. Life is beautiful. Like it just, it was crazy. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Thank you for sharing. And it's fun because yeah. I'm, I'm thinking back because I, I saw you guys early on too, um, through Cameron, and uh, so it's just, it's been so cool just to see your growth and the evolution, you know, over the years. So. Thanks for going down memory lane. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So now tell me a little more as far as the inspiration, uh, the influences that have contributed to your unique sound as a band. Collectively, we all, yeah, we, we've, we've uh, I think we definitely, especially when we were touring in the van, have influenced each other's tastes in music like a lot um a lot of our influences obviously come from the roots Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly um I mean we did an entire show based off of that um and like the producers like Dilla and Ujabes we've done those tribute shows um because those are the you know the people who basically brought us up mm -hmm. and uh, oh well who am I missing I'm missing probably a bunch Flying Lotus, Thundercat all those kind of people yeah I think I think the most important thing to me though um and jason already kind of said it uh for me i think the the people who have most influenced uh, my development as a musician is the other four members of the band mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. i think that just the the five of us coming from such different backgrounds uh and even though we we have like a common um you know like catalog of music that we all love and appreciate a lot of that did come from us all sharing them with each other and you know like sean and rissar talking about oh you know this uh blue and exile album and then uh them turning the rest of us onto it um each of us just sort of like adding to the collective playlist that made up the leak there i don't think there's any musician that i listen to that has influenced my playing as a drummer and how I approach the leak more than just 
being around them all as mm. musicians and as lovers of music. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I love that. That's a great answer. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any other influencers? I can't even like, I mean, I feel like we're all, we have, we like a lot of music, you know, like, yeah, we kind of, we kind of like a little bit of everything. Um, I don't know. Lately I've been trying to get more into jazz, honestly, (laughs) which like I studied jazz for five years at UNLV, but uh, I feel like I feel like I don't really know anything about it at the same time. <laughs> you know? So that's very jazz of you. Awesome. Anything else to add that come to mind? Um, I guess as far as specific mm-hmm. uh, artists that at least have influenced um, my drumming, uh, Questlove from the Roots is like the biggest, most significant influence. And then... Um, I just want to make sure that uh, the hip hop producer Ninth Wonder gets mentioned because he's like my biggest um, inspiration for like beat making. Um, but I stand by my first answer. I think that was a better answer. <laughs> mm. uh, for me, like, you know, one time many moons ago, they know that I, I kind of like hip hop a little bit. And they asked, I believe it was Jason that kind of sparked it, but it was like a group answer question. And they were like, yo, could you kind of like maybe just list, I don't know, just like the albums you think that we should like check out just as hip hop fans. Um... And before, this is like no Google. Like I just, off the top of my head, just like, I wasn't even trying to make the list. I was actually trying to make like the, the to-do list for when I would make the real list. And I think I dropped like about 250 albums before even checking anything. And uh, I don't think anyone ever got through all of that, but. <laughs> I started compiling it on Spotify and I got anxiety from how long it was, <laughs> so I never finished it. <laughs> I probably haven't Sorry. listened to 250 albums in my life. <laughs> you know, so I mean, with that, like, I think that says a lot, but I think for me, my earliest influence, and I think to this day still really, uh, Les McCann, the song Compared to mm. What, an amazing jazz song, and I really think he was rapping on there too, when you really look at it. Um, that whole album, Swiss Movement, from 1969, before I even knew what jazz was, I just knew that I loved that album and that song. My mom put me onto it. My mom has, my mom is probably my biggest musical influence, even though she doesn't even play music. But the amount of, the amount of things that she showed me from the beginning, she has, she had an amazing vinyl collection, just hundreds of vinyls and of course, Motown and all that other stuff. And uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember seeing Miles Davis and all this other stuff, but also like my mom likes country, like heavy. And uh, I mean, but I mean, I'm a big fan of R&B, but personally for like style, I'd say um, Guru from Gangstar means the world to me. Tupac has got to be my all time favorite rapper. And uh, yeah, uh, I'd say, even more directly influenced. I'm heavily influenced by Immortal Technique, Tech Nine, Talib Kweli and Mos Def. And uh, there's actually a lady I've been meaning to bring up who really 
shaped me and she doesn't get enough shine. The brat, the brat from Chicago who was really big in the 90s. She was on So So Deaf, which is Jermaine Dupri's label. And uh, her second album, Another Tantrum, I listened to that religiously and that came out. I was listening to that like right before I started rapping and I don't, oh, big pun. My rapid style, like I get that from him, like specifically being enamored with mm-hmm. big puns. Mm-hmm. You should also mention MF Doom, uh, who recently oh, passed. Oh, yeah. We listened to so I much actually, of him in the van. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I think everybody, I'm a gigantic fan of Doom. I've, I've delved into it like, but the world of Doom is so much that you can never really ever fully know. Like his catalog is ridiculous. He's got all these alternate egos and stuff. But mm-hmm. I first found out about MF Doom like in 05 or 06. And I just dove in so deep and just like, I had all these friends in Sacramento who just like schooled. I, was, I, I have a friend named Mike Jordan in Sacramento who I would call just to talk about MF Doom for like two hours. And we would just dissect his rhymes with like the references he's making. And I have several friends where we would just bug out on like what MF Doom was. Mm-hmm. Love it. I love talking to musicians. I just, I'm always learning. So <laughs> thank you guys for, um, for sharing. Yeah, if you want to list, for Sark can send yeah. you 250 dollars. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for starters. <laughs> awesome. So, you know, February, Black History Month, and, you know, especially since the turbulent time that that we find ourselves into, like in society with um, politically everything and really taking a a moment to not only just this month, right? Praise our our black figures throughout throughout history, but always. But, you know, in honor of of this month, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Billie Holiday and the influence that Billie Holiday has had on the band too. You you guys have a song named after her. So talk, taking a moment to, to talk about that and, um, and again, any other uh, Black figure that you really want to um, bring some, uh, some awareness to right now? Well, I'd say that I saw um, Lady Sings the Blues starring Diana Ross. And, you know, that film taught me a lot. And um, I think it was just important to see, like, the struggles that she went through. Um, actually, I'm doing a thing tomorrow where I've been asked to speak about, you know, Black History Month, and I'm going to feature Strange Fruit, uh, one of the most important songs in American history. And I think that song right there clearly defines, like, why jazz is considered, like, the true American art form, because, mm. you know, Strange Fruit, I mean, it just sends chills. Like, even right now, I'm a bit emotional thinking about what it means, especially because my father, who's from Louisiana, Shreveport, he was born 1942, and he grew up where the Klan was your neighbors. The Klan was literally boys that grew up in his neighborhood that their relationship dynamic changed when they became young men. And, uh, you know, even furthermore, when you think about like Emmett Till, you know, anybody who hasn't heard Strange Fruit, it's about the ultimate fear of lynching, and which was extremely prominent throughout the South, where um, if I could go further, and this is why I'm thankful for Billie Holiday bringing it to light and expressing the pain, because that was the thing about her voice was so unique, she was able to emote in a way 
that um, you can't manufacture. And that's why Strange Fruit still stands out today because um, there is a deep dark past that goes beyond Black Lives Matter and, and worrying about the police chasing you. Back in the day, we used to worry about the entire town. You know, people know about Black Wall Street now but a lot of it was over false accusations of rape against men, a black man against white women, and all kinds of hell would break loose. And more importantly, going on the meaning of that song, there's pictures that, you know, I should have seen in high school that I didn't, that would make it clear that when people talk about make America great again, when the fuck do you mean? Because mm-hmm. I've seen pictures yeah. where people would have parties hundreds of people that's where you get the term picnic from because it comes from the phrase pick a nigger where they would find someone and hang them and burn them and beat them and there's pictures of children and women and everybody smiling and laughing at the dead bodies and that's the fear that you had and when you talk about Emmett Till who died if I'm not mistaken in 1955 my father was 13 years old at that time in the south Emmett Till was 14 like that could have been my dad and so, like, the fact that uh, I'm so happy that uh, people still honor Billy and that there's a documentary about her coming out and everything, or mm-hmm. it's already out, I guess, and because uh, more people need to know about that era of music. Mm-hmm. There is a much sillier backstory to the song Billy's Holiday that we always talk about, but you asked about the artist Billy Holiday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, thank you for for saying all that you have. We're sorry. Appreciate it. Um, but yeah, now can dive into the Billy's Holiday, your song and and the the inspiration leading to it and and all that. It came out of a jam session, so I think I wasn't even there. I wasn't even in it. So I mean, uh, I wasn't even around when they made that up. Um, you were that song. It was your riff at first, right? Yeah, I remember. I remember. Oh, yeah, I remember. I came up with the riff after I was at the Funk Jam the night before, or something like oh, that. Right. Yeah, I remember. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I was working on something that I was inspired at by that jam, and then that became Billy's Holiday. And um, after but, uh, Sean's dog named Billy. Yeah, you're you're the one who decided it? to name it. That's what was I? Uh, yes, it was. Totally I, did, I don't remember deciding that to be honest. I remember, like, yeah, of course, the connection with my dog Billy, but I don't remember being like, you know what, we should call this riff I came Billy's Holiday. <laughs> well, I think it was something, it was more along the lines of we were like, we came up with the jam and we were like, all right, Sean, what do you want to call it? And you're like, I don't know, Billy, because that was your dog's name. Yeah, and we then... probably just were like, it was just a voice memo, you know, probably something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's, like, that, that, you know, that Billy, right. and then someone was like, "Billy's holiday, good pun." <laughs> and then, and then Rasar wrote uh, all of his lyrics off of that like half joke we came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Rasar did the just, classic Rasar thing where he takes yeah. something and he adds three thousand layers to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 the actual lyrics to Billy's holidays are titles of Billy holiday songs. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think enough people realize that. Um, yeah. I've always low-key nerded out on it and thought it was like pretty like genius the way Rissar approached it mm-hmm. um, because I know a lot of those songs. I'm like, yeah, that's Solitude. Yep, mm-hmm. tomorrow's yep, tomorrow's words. Yep, mm-hmm. all that, all that stuff. Um, so and it and it still somehow manages to tell a story while I don't know. Rissar is crazy. 
Yeah. <laughs> we should start a band, bro. Yeah, man, dude, I don't know if you're busy, but <laughs> no, man, no, thank you. Uh, I will say I love that song. Uh, I love how it's evolved too, mm-hmm. because like, um, we played that song. That's one of the first songs we ever played, and uh, of course, it's it's evolved over time. And uh, there's now like a, like kind of a remix thing with the second verse where Nick did something really dope with the bass line. I, it's maybe my favorite like alteration to a song we've ever done. I just love where it goes in the second verse with this just this soulful groovy second verse and everybody mm-hmm. like just just hits it and it's super fun too like to perform live. We could talk about that. God, Billy's Holiday is one of the most beautiful songs to perform because people just know, like, even if they've never heard it, it's only two words. And it's like people, it just feels good. The music is mm-hmm. light. And like, when people, it's just a beautiful thing to have. We've had like hundreds of people just Billy's Holiday. It's just like, yeah, like it, before we even start the song, it, like, it, it gives such a, a burst and like, Honestly, I've always loved Jason's solo at the end. I know sometimes, you know, he gets tired of doing the same thing over and over, but <laughs> it's, and that's not even that he did the same thing over and over. It's just that, you know, it's, it's, it's just a hard solo and he, he didn't want to keep challenging himself with those insane. <laughs> oh yeah. The, the, my, my mental block with it was that I would never be able to play anything that was better than the record. Wow. And I don't think I have. Wow. Hey, <laughs> I feel like maybe there was like one time you played something better. Just one? <laughs> Dang, I think there's none, but we've only played about I would say at least one. At least one where it was significantly better. Mm, okay. or, or not not significantly, just so good that it was like, <laughs> wow, that could have been the take too. That's fair. I love Sean Carbone. <laughs> but I appreciate the I mean I, I literally think the same thing, so I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean I it's a good it. solo. <laughs> it's beautiful. And um that song has brought so much joy. And uh it's it was like one of our most played songs on like oh and the I music think it is video our most popular for... song on Spotify. Love the music oh, yeah. video. Dude, the music video, shout out to Jeremy Lee. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Jeremy Lee is always been, we, we haven't really given him shout outs because there's so much, there's so many people to thank. We have mm-hmm. so many photographers, videographers, editors, people to thank behind the scenes, sound people, everybody. But Jeremy Lee did a hell of a job. Mm-hmm. And also uh, Morgan, a dude uh, who worked with the Jabberwockies, he actually wrote the treatment for that video. So like that was a collaborative effort. And um, shout out to Naomi, who was like the the star yes, of that video. Yes. She played Billy. Oh my God, it was just a it was just a trip to play. And Eleven Street Records, thank you, Ronald Corso, for mm-hmm. you know you know we're, that's where we recorded the album, but also giving us a place to shoot that video. So mm-hmm. yeah, no oh, gorgeous video, probably maybe my favorite video for sure that y'all have had. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So now let's talk about your song, I Am. You know, this song, um, I've definitely shared with Star, uh, my, 
I have a strong emotional attachment to this song because this song actually helped me um, during a three month period where I had suicidal thoughts um, back in um, 2017. And I would, I kid you not, this song, every morning I would play it because I was doing, doing all these different things to, to help my mental health at the time. And I'm not kidding you, re- religiously every morning I would play it. Mm. So honestly, so much of the reason why I found meaning in my life again was thanks to the song. So like, wow. I'm so profoundly grateful for, for you guys for doing that. And thank just, you. yeah, I don't think you. Yeah. And wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm surprised I'm not crying right now, but I like, I like, again, I'm surprised I'm not crying. <laughs> I'm filled up. I'm filled up in a way I can't even tell you. I'm, I'm so thankful. I really appreciate you telling us that. And more importantly, I'm happy that you're here with us now to tell us that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you mm-hmm. know, and it's, uh, you know, that, that year was uh, the darkest year of my life, um, but I'm so grateful of it because it allowed me, it's that year was, but gave inspiration to um, creating the Love Yourself Foundation. And, mm-hmm. and it's, it's, so I have so much gratitude to that year. And, um, but again, it just, my, my whole purpose was redefined and I found like a new meaning in music again. Like I had been fans of you guys for a, a while at that point. But I just remember like really like, and I've shared this to Rissar before, but like the words just kind of like su- sunk in differently. Like it, they were like really sinking into my heart and my, my soul. Mm. And uh, again, so much gratitude to you guys, like forever and ever grateful. <laughs> and, and that uh, kind of just reaffirms, you know, why we do this and why, um, you know, our, our message has purpose. Um, and it makes me feel really good that, you know, it's helped somebody. Um, last year, I found myself in a similar predicament. The summer was really terrible. Um, and I remember I was driving downtown for some reason. I was feeling like crap. I was like, you know what? I'm going to just put on I am. We're going to see what happens. Okay. <laughs> I, never, I never told any of the guys this. And um, once the second we got to the second verse, once upon a time, I thought I should cut my story short. just started bawling. Just, oh man like I've, I've played the song you know hundreds of times um and i've heard the lyrics hundreds of times um but that day it hit and i was like wow like this is really profound and this is one of the most beautiful empowering things that i have been a part of to create um and it helped me out of that day and it helped me you know for a few months after that so i was i was low-key bumping i am at the end of last year um, wow, and I think my my uh, my creative soul was missing playing it, so maybe mm. maybe that's why. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's that song saves lives, and uh, especially that that line that you just said that that was that resonated deeply with me, um, and it saved my life. So. Um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more of the inspiration, you know, behind that song and, um, and anything else that you'd like to share about it. I think Rissar was inspired by Life is Beautiful Festival. Yeah. Um, we, the first time he yeah. played it. It was written for the festival, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. We were like, we need something that fits 
the vibe. And our, our idea was to kind of make it like a new Jabez style thing. Um, and out of that, it kind of just, it was a song that kept evolving. We kept recording it. We yeah. kept adding things. We added a gospel choir and horns. I forgot, I forgot that we had multiple versions. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Cameron ended up on it because, you know, why not have Cameron on it? Right. <laughs> and um, horns. Yeah. yeah. The whole thing. We... We really went all out with it and uh that's that song has never let us down i don't mm-hmm. think you know mm-hmm. no wow yeah the inception of it and the musical influence but i don't think that any of us can speak to exactly what the the lyrics mm-hmm. um yeah are about better than you can yeah oh man yeah i uh i i i don't even know i'm damn near fucking speechless like I have a lot to say about the song, but between you guys, you know, you two stories here and stuff, and, you know, 2020 was a hell of a year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was uh, lowest of lows for me. Mr. I am himself. Mr. I am peace. I am joy. I wasn't feeling so happy. I wasn't feeling so peaceful and full of love or joy. Yeah. And uh, that's why I say, you know, that song is a good uh recalibrating point because it's a gut check too and I the thing is I would warn people during crowds too like don't just take this like as a performance like right now I want you when you're at in a very serious like when you're going through it whether it's a you have and anybody who's been to our shows know I'll, I'll say like yo if you've had struggles with your relationships or your finances uh, you know, if you're, not, you're having a situation with where you're living or whatever it is, or even if you're, I've had people tell me they were stuck in traffic before, and that's a source of anxiety for all of us, but it was like, really, really, they were tripping out, and they started just saying that to themselves to cope with something like that, Yeah. and um, just seeing, I mean, I could talk about the effects, but you're asking about the inspiration. Like, like they said, Life is Beautiful was going to be the original title of the song. I don't know how I could have made that flow, but that was what I wanted to do. <laughs> can you imagine that in that tone? Yeah. It was originally written to, there's a song by uh, Flowetry featuring some of the guy's favorite rapper, Common. And I, it's called Superstar. It came out in 2006. I love that song. And I wrote, I wrote it to that beat. And then I came to the guys and I was like, yo, I got this, this idea. I want you guys to hear it. But I didn't, but I said, I don't want it to be like this. This is just how I did it. And then they just, you know, Jason came in with a lot of the music stuff. And then like, they just kind of, and then also I got to say something about I guess I haven't gotten to the lyrics too, but musically too, I wasn't aware that there was a there was a influence from Roy Hargrove on there, and there's like a mm. song by him that like uh, is is has that same vibe. And yeah, we, we almost playing, yeah we almost unconsciously and accidentally basically did like an interpolation of a sample of his uh, song Strasbourg Saint Denis. Yeah, and, and uh, that's thank you for saying that. Yeah, a bunch of places where we've played where there have been, yeah. like, you know, jazz cats. Like, they'd be like, oh, that, yeah, that too was uh, Strasbourg Saint-Denis. Um, and we were like, yeah, 
nice catch. <laughs> I was like, what? You know, like people, or people have even like emailed and been like, you know, or texted or whatever. And just been like, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that Roy Hargrove jam you did. And I was like, what? <laughs> you know what? what do you mean? But um, I would say, and I'm just plugging in here real quick, but um, I was going to say, you know, that third verse is added last, like wait, like it was added like a year later. Cause like they said, there's different versions of it. Mm-hmm. And I just got to say that second verse, it's interesting that that, that line hit y'all because first of all, they, they know that that's the verse that I've often forgotten <laughs> when we're doing it. But mm-hmm. um, there's a line in there. Like there's a part where I'm talking about throughout the song, I talk about a few different concepts that I always wanted to kind of bring up more, which was about, I say help is mainly psychosomatic. Mm-hmm. And like, no one's really asked me what I was talking about with that. I was saying health is mainly psychosomatic. Like I wasn't saying that like you can strictly control your health with your mind, but there is a deep connection between your emotions and your psychological state and your health. And uh, there is, I mean, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and, we, and we know about the placebo effect uh it does belief faith i'm not a religious person myself but i'm not ignorant to the fact that people who have faith tend to survive more often a lot of times Uh, there's been studies that show that and there's specifically a book called the holographic universe there's a lot of books that that i read and also my mom was like went raw vegan in 99 not that you have to do that to be at optimal health for everybody do whatever you do but i'm saying like my mom became like the consummate health nut, but not in an overbearing way, but in mm-hmm. an inviting, inspiring way. And uh, I got to meet a lot of people. There's a dude named Bruce Lipton who I saw who became really famous in like the new age. And uh, he's also a scientist, you know, that world. And um, he has a book called The Biology of Belief, which specifically shows how we speak to ourselves and how the, our entire body, we need to think of it more like a community mm-hmm. um, and how we tap into these different energies in a scientific way. Cause like, of course the spiritual crowd's like, yeah, duh. But you start talking about auras and chakras to people and they're like, oh, okay, that's that woo. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. But if you start literally showing like, for instance, there's a book, um, there's a guy named, I believe his name is Isaru Emoto. There's Dr. Emoto, who's this uh, Japanese scientist who did a bunch of studies on the effects of water and he talks about just like he did an experiment so this is what i meant just in that one line where it he taught he literally showed how the words that you use have an effect on your biology and since we're primarily made of water they showed it and there's no denying it. it's like they just took water from the same source and they said hate evil and all these bad things to one and then they said you are loved, you are beautiful, you're amazing. To water, not plants, just water. Mm-hmm. And they did that and they did whatever they did. I, I don't know if they froze it or whatever, but they got some microscope and they looked at the crystals of the water and they zoomed in on the crystals. And the ones that you said all the loving words to, they looked like beautiful snowflakes and they made all these geometric shapes that were like really brilliant. And they looked at the ones they said all the evil things to, and it was corroded and mm-hmm. it had lost like all sorts of shape. And I think the color was different. Like 
And it was to the point where people thought he was crazy, but then they couldn't deny the results. And there's so many other things showing that we do have an, obviously it takes more than that and medicine does help. That's where the term holistic health comes from. And that's, I've had people kind of wink at me about that song saying they know what I'm getting at. And I am also deep in that. I got a shout out to Butterscotch who showed me a documentary about a year before called I Am. And then even further than that, the phrase I am is so powerful and ancient. Um, I mean, it's in the Bible and Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of other things I could go into. But if anyone wants to look it up, just look up the history of the concept of I am. You You could say we're not talking about gender. We're talking about energy here, mm-hmm. masculine and feminine energy. I being masculine am being feminine and how that's within all of us. And that when we balance that out, um, that we give birth to life within ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot that I've always wanted to talk about with that song. And maybe we'll have to do <laughs> like just a seminar strictly on that song. <laughs> I'd be down. <laughs> that's wonderful no and that you know that line health is mainly psychosomatic was i mean all the whole song but i that's that those those words specifically during that time was just huge because i was also healing i I was healing um panic attacks and anxiety and heavy heavy things um and yeah you helped me put you know just put me in check (laughs) Wow. And I know I could be long-winded, but I'll say one more thing. And yo, like just the fact that that line hit you. Shout out to Nikola Tesla, who got a shout out in there. But uh, there's there's a line I say, children die of cancer. And I say it almost as a throwaway line. But that line means damn near the most to me. Just that has been one of the conundrums of life for me. Mm -hmm. And that's what the song I Am is about, too, is coping with things don't always go the way that we uh, would hope. And that there's sometimes just no logical explanation and bad things happen to good and or innocent people. Mm-hmm. And I dedicate that line specifically to a girl. I was a part of a camp in 2007 called Make a Difference Camp. I want to thank Natalie Poli for getting me involved with that. And I'll never forget there was this little girl, I can't remember her name, but she had cancer and she was balding and she was a part of that. She was very weak but she wanted to be involved with the, you know, she wanted to be involved with all of the activities and it was beautiful to, you know, use music and other things to, uh, to connect with these kids. And, you know, like anytime you work with a group of people, you create a bond and yeah, she was surviving and and doing her thing and getting by with the treatments. And then years went on and about three years later. And then uh, I remember I was in Davis leaving somebody's house and I got the text knowing that she passed. Hmm. And I think she was only 10. And that has stayed with me for like, that's never going to leave me. And uh, I've heard of it, but when you know someone, it's, it it was always difficult and I never knew how to put it into words. So that line, I think about her every time I say that line. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And curious too, was that, did that song come, it came before the shooting in Vegas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I remember specifically when you guys had the residency at um, where was it? It was uh, Ayers. Yes, yeah, and I remember mm. I remember you guys playing after that had happened and just uh, talking about you know harnessing that energy as much as we can to hopefully avoid mass destruction like that again. Yeah, I'm very glad. I, I appreciate you bringing that song up though. Like we've played it so much that it could be easy to take it for granted maybe mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah and for us to really examine it and see it for what it is i think it's as important for us uh as it is for the listener yeah no it's a Absolutely. beautiful it's medicine y'all you know y'all are mm -hmm. truly providing medicine and and your music and um i find you know music is obviously so powerful and it can it can either infuse hate or it can infuse love and i'm just so grateful that you know y'all really are pillars of 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 compassion community love and it's all what i'm about and i will always support you guys <laughs> always <laughs> thank you well, thank yes you. yeah <laughs> So, um, you know, I appreciate, you know, Jason talking about, you know, the vulnerability experienced last year and even still, right, with the times that we're living mm -hmm. um, for, you know, any of that would like to share. What are what are some big lessons that you've learned um, throughout this time of COVID and and what are some things that you've done to help yourself stay sane, stay, stay healthy, stay inspired? Why? Well, personally have as far as stuff that I've learned I think that um, I was a lot worse at staying in touch with people um, I moved here from New York at this point it was like seven or eight years ago and I cherish all of my friends back home I miss all of my family my grandparents but for the years and years that I've been here now I think that one of the one of the, my biggest sources of disappointment in myself has been failing to stay in touch with people failing to uh, cherish those relationships and uh, understand how important they are and mm -hmm how much value they have and it shouldn't have taken a worldwide pandemic for me to realize how much I need the people in my life. And, mm -hmm. you know, you, I, I could have like video chatted with people way before this happened, but now it's yeah. trendy and uh, <laughs> it, it, it just like was a lot, it became a lot easier there, there were almost literally no excuses not to. And in reconnecting with people in that way, mm -hmm. I think I learned a lot about how important people are to me. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate you being open about that. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have learned that. And um, But the great thing is that you've you're, you learned it and doing something about it. Um, for me, I oh, man. Yeah, last year was a trip, man. I mean, for all of us, obviously, but I think what I learned is when when everything evaporated, all of our work, all of our gigs, all of our opportunities to look forward to, um, I kind of learned about myself that 
I had been using those things um, to kind of run away from my mental health a little bit. Mm. Like I would keep myself busy so I didn't have to worry about what was going on in my head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once I was faced with that, it was pretty rough. It was honestly really rough. There was, yeah. I, I dealt with a lot of, I had to deal with a lot of things. I had kept the bottle inside for however long I've been this busy for, which has been my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I was, when I faced down, I, I had to look inside and be like, yo, like, what are we going to do about the way we think about ourselves? What are we going to do about this anxiety, this depression? What are we going to do? And I had to ask myself some really tough questions and um, really mental health became the highest importance to me um, at the end Mm -hmm. of last year. Mm -hmm. And everything I did was for that. And um, it was a hard journey. I mean, it it still is a journey. And um, I, I would call it the every second, every day grind. Like the second you find yourself saying something bad about yourself or hating yourself or doing anything like that, that's the grind. We got to figure out how to rewire yourself so you don't think such harmful things that make Mm -hmm. you do, you know, and it's, it's like an endless feedback cycle once you start going down that, that rough mental path. Um, So I have to figure out how to get around that. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was, you know, definitely a spiritual journey more than anything. I was reading books every week. Was going to therapy. I still meditate every day, journaling out my thoughts, my gratitudes, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then when it finally clicked, and I was happy because I was working for it, um, I had felt fulfilled for the first time in the longest time, like truly fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and while you know everything I had been doing before, like performing and stuff, that was fulfilling. Um, there was always this, this notion of not having enough, being in a scarcity mindset instead of being abundant in my mindset. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, mental health became my cornerstone and it still is. Thank you for sharing all that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's tested us all, right? In so many ways. And but I'm so grateful that, you're on the other side of it now, Jason. And, um, thank you. I'm so happy that you're, that you're here, that you're doing it and, and that you've found a way. So thank you for yeah, We're all happy for you, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful and mm-hmm. inspiring, man. Mm-hmm. Like, and um, I gotta give credit where, where credit is due. Um, Jeremy literally saved my life. So thank you, Jeremy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> my wow, heart. Man. yeah no um sean sean actually you know i'll let you tell it but i think you could also give us some insight because he had a unique situation where he had already been facing some really difficult situations and before all this and then he went through a personal transformation months before all of this. And we were part of that and we were concerned, you know, our love for him was uh, really, really brought to the front. And uh, we just cared for our brother and we were concerned about him. And then sure enough, he broke through and was almost calloused by it. Like his fingers playing guitar. Like when, 
this all hit, he seemed to be the most resilient person that I had seen from the beginning of it. It was and, amazing. Uh, it was very inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when I was going through my shit, I was like, I literally went to Sean and I asked him for advice. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. For so me, Sean, the, if you could, please. Yeah. The, the pandemic kind of kind of provided a clean slate for me mm. where I felt like when everything stopped I kind of was like okay what am I I was able to reevaluate everything in my life and like what am I doing what do I want to do what what matters you know what what actually has value and like it's kind of changed as the pandemic has even gone on now because it's I mean it's been like a whole year now but um yeah I was in a bad place about six months before the pandemic started mm-hmm. and I was I was getting better but um I don't know yeah that kind of that like I said that clean slate and really thinking about the people that matter in my life and you know and I, I remember for a while like music didn't help at all like you know like I didn't mm-hmm. I didn't want to play music I didn't want to I didn't I didn't even care about that you know mm-hmm. um but now I'm so glad it's back. Like I couldn't imagine doing that. I mean, you know, like not playing music is, I, I don't know, it, it's just a part of me. Mm-hmm. And that music has also helped me through this whole thing and just like wanting to learn new things um, like that. My, the curiosity to learn more on my instrument has like gotten me through a lot because it just sometimes sometimes one small thing and then I'm like oh wow I've been looking at this thing for like eight hours and like but I'm happy doing it you know like it doesn't feel like work or anything yeah you found meaning in a whole day yeah just that moment of exploration and also just like trying to cherish certain moments because I feel like we always look back and like like even right now like when we were talking about certain shows that we used to play or like even I am like I, you know usually when we would play that song to be honest it was usually our last song and I couldn't wait to get done with it to be honest <laughs> you know we we played it so many times it'd be at like, the end of like two three hour sets mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah but like looking back it's like you know I wish I would have maybe cherished certain moments more and like I'm trying to live my life every day like that now where I'm just mm-hmm. don't worry about like oh is this yeah, I feel like a lot of times we're always worrying about like, you know, how long is this moment going to last or what am I doing? You know, just cherish it for what it is. And you have to kind of cherish your relationships with people for what it is. Because yeah. you can't expect, you know, too much from certain people, you know, just kind of try to live your life and just have be present in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that 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 became a lot easier for me once I once the pandemic be uh you know started because there 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 was like no future to worry about yeah literally because it was all it was all destroyed you know (laughs) so i kind of was like okay well i'll just think about what's happening now and then Mm -hmm. ever since i've been lit like trying to live my life like that things Mm -hmm. have just kind of gotten better Mm -hmm. or be here now if you will Mm. uh which is a song we made uh with cam calloway Mm -hmm. and uh, that is based off of the book that was written by Ram Das many years ago. And uh, I read that book in 2010 on tour with a band called Zug from Sacramento. And the drummer, Matt Clee, 
who uh, is one of my best friends still to this day, uh, he was reading that book and we were all in the back of, we were in South Oregon, driving through some pretty uh, backwoods areas. And I remember he had to, and it looked interesting. I said, what's that, man? He said, man, you should read it. And that's not a normal thing. He's not, he wasn't much of an avid reader at the time. And I don't know, I just, I was already reading something else and I picked it up and man, I never seen nothing like that. It was just on another level where, to the point where the fonts are different. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes you have to turn the page and there's drawings and stuff. So, you know, Sean just kind of inspired that concept to, just now when he's talking about being present because everything that I've ever like read or those deep moments that people have when you have that you know that talk at two in the morning about the meaning of life it usually comes back to simplicity you know I've looked at Buddhism, Mm -hmm. Taoism, Mm -hmm. Stoicism, all these different isms and I don't discard of them I think that's a mistake that sometimes people make when they progress through their uh, journey of consciousness. They assume that once they've uh, integrated something that it's no longer useful or sometimes less than it's, And when you realize it's, it's not like that, it's like we all enter from different um, entrances when it comes to our growth and development. Mm-hmm. And so some of the things that I'm hearing people talk about now, I was on 15, 16 years ago, but I was reading that from books that came out 20 or 200 or 2000 years ago. So it's like Wayne Dyer had a great quote where he said something along the lines of, none of us knows enough to be a pessimist. Sometimes when it comes back to that, it's like, wow. I mean, that dude lived a very full life. He had eight children. He inspired millions of people. And it's just a reminder. And he was an alcoholic. And, uh, you know, he, he grew up, I think there was, he grew up from a broken family. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if he was adopted. I can't remember, but I know that there was something going on with like the custody and all that stuff when he was a child. So it's like he came from that to one of the most beloved people in the world who, who helped other people. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it all comes back to presence, appreciation. I don't, I don't even know what else it is, man. I mean, when you, when you look at people at the end of their lives and there's so many times when people ask them, like when they're on their deathbed, you know, is there anything you wish you could have done differently? And the answers usually come back to like, I wish I had more time or like, I wish I had been kind to the people. I wish I had gone more places or, you know, I wish I just appreciated my life or did more with it. So I think going back to what Jason was saying too, I'm glad he was able to break, break out of that strictly busy cycle that kind of gets us all caught up, you know, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Uh, that is the gift of this curse. When everything kind of came crumbling down, we were left with ourselves. For some people that's hell, some people that can be a gateway to, uh, to ultimate growth. So I just want to say, I have probably regressed in many ways, but I'm super thankful that I have people like everyone in this call to kind of remind me of what we all need and want to do. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys. I, I really appreciate, you know, everyone being so open and vulnerable and it's just really for me, you know, just to see, I, I mean, I've, I've gotten the pleasure to uh, have great conversations with Rasar over the years and develop a friendship with him and, this is my first time really like getting the chance to talk to all of you at the same time, minus Nick. 
Um, but it's just wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful just to see the, the love that I, that I feel, you know, I see true brotherhood and, um, and your band and it's so cool. Cause then you, that's why as a person, that's a, you know, a fan of yours, the ripple effect, you know, I, I feel the love and I know I'm not the only person that does. So y'all are doing amazing things by being who you are, what you stand for musically, everything. So keep doing it <laughs> keep doing it absolutely <laughs> thanks mm-hmm. let's definitely keep doing it yeah yeah, yeah. I can't we do wait. have a song we do have a song on the way yeah oh, keep we're doing working it. on but yeah it's called it. keep Sorry. doing it <laughs> wait is somebody saying i can't wait was somebody alluding to like when we finally get back in front of audiences i was about to say that i was gonna say i can't wait for when we're all able to get back on the stage and it's like i am verse three and the crowd's going hype and <laughs> we're all jumping on stage and <laughs> that, that's kind of what keeps me going like one day yeah. we're gonna be back yeah yeah we're gonna yeah. Be back. yeah for it's sure it's gonna be magical my goodness no, I, I can't I'm wait a, i'm gonna be crying on stage i think we all <laughs> <Yeah>. will be <laughs> that'll be crazy it'll be the yes. greatest i can't Definitely. wait <laughs> uh, hopefully awesome. soon Yes, yes. Let, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Um, but before we depart, um, if y'all can talk a little bit about the song that we're going to feature after the episode, um, after our interview, and then how people can find you. The song in reference is, uh, I believe, Wo Kimosabi, correct? Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Hey, yeah, yeah, you're going to get a shout out to the <laughs> whole boy Spectrum yes. one time. <laughs> Yo, he's really <laughs> one of my favorite rappers. Any, I want to put this on record. Spectrum is one of my favorite rappers anywhere in the world in the history of all hip hop. And I mean that with no exaggeration. I love wow. that dude. I think he's one of the best things that's ever happened. Seriously. Wow. Yeah. Aw. Yeah. He's going to have to hear this now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Woki Mosabi was a song about being at a party and you're a little introverted you don't want to talk to anybody um which is like most of us in the band me Jeremy and Rassar <laughs> classify as introverts um and it's it's pretty funny and it's 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 like a party song about not wanting to party um ironically about social distancing before social distancing was a thing <laughs> yeah we we were there first yeah. um but yeah, you can find that on all streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, Zanga, MySpace. <laughs> Zanga, yo. What about Friendster? Friendster. <laughs> Probably find it on uh, eHarmony. Uh, you know, E-Harmony, Christian singles. <laughs> Christian farmers. Ooh, get specific. Christian do you guys remember? Yeah. Do you guys remember how the song came about though? No. Were we in the cabin? Musically. Yes. Oh. Oh yeah. We had a we had a little writers retreat in uh in Big Bear. Uh-huh. Shout out to the Schmidt family. For None so of whom could things. be here today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did a retreat in September of 2019, not knowing that six months from then everything would change, and we just mm-hmm. kind of did the thing you always hear about. Like, oh, we locked ourselves in the studio and just, we just did that. Like, you know, Nick's parents have a a cabin out there and 
we stayed there for like, or it's like a house. It's like a whole damn house. And we stayed out there for like three or four days, played ping pong. These guys played to like three Violently. or four in the morning. God, yeah. that was so fun. You were playing was, too. It was frankly irresponsible how much ping pong we were playing. <laughs> oh yeah. You guys were on another level. And, Reprehensible. Uh, Oh man, and uh, we just did, and we would just vibe, hang out, go into town, get food, and you know, for, after all that touring we had done and the residencies, and mm-hmm. especially at that time we had already done on the record and stuff. So it's like to just come back and just get back to the basics of it, and on another level, we had all this experience, kind of like what Jeremy was saying about how he feels that all of us influenced him, and we all have really shaped each other. It was interesting to really sit with each other and find each other where we were then after all those years. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to to be as least judgmental as possible, if that's a good way of saying it. Like we just wanted to really, really jam without the pressure of this has to be a song or anything. Like, don't even worry about it if it sounds like they just brought out all these percussive things. I was playing like weird stuff and like shaking an apple or something like (laughs) and people were switching instruments and stuff and really Mm -hmm. just playing for hours and just hey whatever dude and we just went all these places and in that voice memos were recorded and they still exist of like super raw wild crazy stuff and in there i found something really cool on the way to rehearsal and it was well kimosabi and i was driving on the freeway and that was kind of a joke to myself, like just whoa, Kimosabi. And I meant just somebody back up. I mean, it comes from like a show, <laughs> like a show from like the 60s or 70s, I think. It's like a cowboy show. And um, yeah, just kind of as a joke. I hadn't even worked it all out and I presented and then, you know, it's such a fun song. I want to do that one again live too. So mm-hmm. we've only done that one, or how many times have we done that one live? Not many. Yeah, only it, few, it right? never got its its day in the sun. No, uh, yeah. we still want to do a yeah. video for that and be here now. Yes, yes, yes. All right, guys. And what's the best way for people to connect with you guys? At the moment, probably just by listening to our music on all available streaming services. We um haven't. I mean, we they can find more information about us on our website um, because we're not performing there mm-hmm. not not like it's updated um but you can go to the leak.com you can follow us on instagram um and as stuff opens up and we're able to be physically in the same space again uh we'll begin updating all that stuff yeah awesome and then for folks out there it's l-i-q-u-e the leak oh yeah that's really important. yep yeah <laughs> The Leak like, Band at the Leak Band. That's how you can find us. Our handle and everything at the Leak Band. I L I Q U E for sure. Awesome, awesome, and we'll make sure and tag that too in the description. Mm-hmm. So, awesome, awesome guys. Well, this was truly a pleasure. Um, thank you, truly, for what you guys do and for staying yeah, strong. For and us. yeah, um, so much love to all of you. And I can't wait for your next show. <laughs> Hey, thank you. Monica. Wait to see you there. Really appreciate you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you guys, and thank you for everyone out there listening. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Let it go. Let it go. I say, let it go. Let it go. 
war, chemo sabi, everybody in the party trying to have a good time. They ain't bothering nobody like war, chemo sabi, let it go, let it go. I say war, chemo sabi, let it go, let it go. War, chemo sabi, everybody in the party trying to have a good time. They ain't bothering nobody like war, chemo sabi, let it go, let it go. I say war, chemo sabi, let it go, let it go. Really not feeling how you stress me, man. Give me three feet, no time to explain. You're doing so much and you need to relax. Don't be mad at me, cause I'm speaking the facts. Truth be told, I like to keep it low key. When I go to the court, they all call me OG. Energy was Gucci before you stepped in the spot. See, we vibrate high whether you like it or not. And I ain't worried about a damn thing you do with the most. Flexing on the wrong one, it's the grooviest host. We knew what you was on when you stepped in the dough. Once again, I need protection, cause you fucking with my flow. I said, Whoa, Kimo Sabi, everybody in the party trying to have a good time. They ain't bothering nobody like, Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go. Let it go, I said, Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go. Whoa, Kimo Sabi, everybody in the party trying to have a good time. They ain't bothering nobody like, Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go, I said, Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go. And yo, I try to keep my cool, but I'm about to act a fool. If you don't back up, give me five feet of space, ain't mad at you, but it's unnatural to play me that close. Most I'm trying to hear is that you tired of this environment, cause getting out of here would be the best option. I'm watching your every move. Chilling in the corner with Spectrum, ain't trying to rap with you. Both of us are spiritual, homie, might lend a crystal to you, but drunk and sloppy topics ain't what I'm trying to listen to. The vision is clear, it's fitting, my ear is dripping, about to be tripping. That mean that you crossing my boundaries, how do we get it? Reglitching my mission. I try to be loving, they pushing my buttons. I hate it so much and it really be summoning demons so deep in my psyche Let me breathe in the discussion Whoa, Kimo Sabi, everybody in the party Trying to have a good time They ain't bothering nobody like Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go I say, whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go Whoa, Kimo Sabi, everybody in the party Trying to have a good time They ain't bothering nobody like Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go I say, whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go I say, whoa why you always gotta do the most? Why you always gotta try to boast? Acting like you got all of the codes. Everything was fine till the time you had approached. Okay. Now listen, I'm not trying to diss you, but we got some issues that we gotta get through. It's not true, it's me. Okay, it is you. I was just chilling like I was a villain. You stepped in the building like you was a hero. Rating your energy one to a hundred to keep it a hundred. That shit was a zero. When I'm out in public, keep some crystals on me, cause it keeps me grounded. My surroundings aren't always how I want it. If you spot me at a party, which isn't too frequently, please have the decency to try to match the frequency. Whoa, Kimo Sabi, everybody in the party trying to have a good time. They ain't bothering nobody like, whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go. I say, Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go Whoa, Kimo Sabi, everybody in the party Trying to have a good time They ain't bothering nobody like Whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go I say, whoa, Kimo Sabi, let it go, let it go I got a studio too, man, if you guys want to get down, like...